Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Like Clark Kent dashing into a phone booth, the Steelers ran into the locker room with a 24-7 lead. Unlike Kent, who emerged from the booth transmogrified into the Man of Steel, the Steelers experienced a metallurgic disintegration that would test its ability to withstand a withering surge from a revitalized Titans team. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Pull out a 27-24 nail-biter against the Tennessee Titans to extend its win streak to six games. And as close as this contest was, the differential was still three times more points than we needed to clear the chips from the table this week. And clear the chips we did. And we did that at Bet Online, baby. Football is in full effect. The Steelmen are fulfilling their destiny decades after their their last 6-0 and start. But here we are. You got a chance to bet on them against the Ravens. Take it. Then after that, Steelers' schedule softens up a little bit. Take them every week. Bet online has the best lines. They have the best props. Who's going to score the first touchdown in the game? That's a big one for the Steelmen since it's about nine different dudes who could score it. It's just studs everywhere. But Bet Online has all that information for you right there on the site. They're going the extra mile to make sure you can get on on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online so head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses bet online Ching! your online sportsbook experts you know my favorite cartoon of all time it's peanuts snoopy so once again i felt like charlie brown who convinces himself that he actually will kick the football And for some reason, I was duped at halftime. I was relaxed, and I was actually doing the math. I was doubling our score and thinking that we might get the 50 points that game. I think that this is going to be a great podcast uh, for a number of reasons. Number one is we don't have to talk about the Seahawks game from last night, but I can tell you that I watched that as intently as a Steelers game, not because I like the Seahawks, which I do. My girlfriend's, uh, you know, uh, Pacific Northwesterner. So we like the Hawks. We watch them. They're fun to watch. But I had to root for them to do well and lose last night because they, well, they did lose. And because it brought us to where we are today with the Steelmen. Atop it was the exactly the way you hoped, too, right? Wasn't it an overtime game? It was overtime. It was exciting. You got to see how bad those defenses would fare against the Steelmen if they caught them in, this, in the Super Bowl. And then if COVID cancels the season today, the Steelers win. So the undefeated team. But I think this is going to be a great podcast because I feel like you and I have slightly different feelings coming out of the game, given how incredible the first half went and how horrific the second half went, or how poorly, let's say, the second half went. And uh, I think that that can represent a large uh, portion of the fan base. I was watching the game with m- my buddy Andre, who watches many of the games with us, right? We've mentioned him on the pod before. And so he's had some experience with these Steelers roller coasters, of course, being a Steelers fan himself. So we're talking about it in a halftime. I- I'm giddy. I'm ecstatic. I haven't been this happy during a football game since, actually, since last week. The Browns win was so satisfying. Oh, we just. We just emasculated them in front of everybody. It was beautiful. And the Steelers picked right up where they left off against the Titans, which we were 
we were kind of talking about because I said the, the Tomlin Steelers do great when there's motivation. Is it a big game? Is it nationally televised? Has that game ripped your bye week out of your fingertips from their own disgusting habits earlier that season? So it wasn't shocking that the Steelers came out great, but it, it just couldn't have gone any better in the first half than it did, and I was giddy. But what was the lead, 20 or 17, something like that? And I was telling Andre, like, I want to celebrate, but teams come back from this deficit every week in the NFL right now, and the Titans are going to make plays in the second half. Uh, Just, you know, would have been nicer if the Steelers could really figure out how to close out a game. And I guess they did that against the Browns, which is nice to see, but that little demon came back to bite them back in the butt against the Titans. So it was... It should have ended as the most satisfying war drum pounding of, hey, it's the Steelmen, the Chiefs, and the Ravens, of course, and the AFC, and, and nobody else. And I still feel that way, but I can't deny it. I mean, you leave with a bad taste in your mouth with how poorly the Steelers perform in the second half, particularly the offense. Well, can we talk about that? I mean, that that's the point, the Charlie Brown having the football ripped away from him is this tale of two halves. I think... I don't even want to use that phrase because I think we've used it like 70 times since we started the podcast. Sure. Here's what I looked at. I mean, in this, this, as you always point out, there's, there's not a lot of nuance. This is it's just grinding some numbers. And I looked at the number of yards we have per half. On average, we have 54% of our yards in the first half, 46 in the second half. And you might not say that's significant. Right. But in this game... We had a 228 yards in the first and 134 in the second. 63% of our yards in the first half, 37 in the second half. And that is that is a pattern. In only one game did we have, and that was against the Eagles, we had 44% of our yards in the first half and um, 56 in the second half. So there there is a clear pattern here. And here's the point that you were trying to make, well, let me put words in your mouth, but sure. the Steelers' potential and actual the kinetic energy, the actual application of that potential is evident. So we could do whatever we want with whatever team we play. What happens? Is Does this go back to coaching and the emotional side of it or – Teams make adjustments in the in the in the locker room because I did listen to Tomlin's interview after the game. He said Titans didn't really do that much differently. We just didn't play well. It's funny because it contradicts what Ben said after the game, which is they made some changes at halftime and we weren't able to adjust to it. Right, so that that goes to show you who knows what these guys are saying. Well, it's all political speak, isn't it? Yeah, and that's fine with me because I don't want so them to give anything to anybody. Said. Let's average what they said. They made a couple changes, is what we'll agree on. I think that, uh, you know, football teams take on an identity. And this team for the past 10 years has taken on the identity of Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger. And when they're lucky, they've had some badasses on defense who give it the personality too. And that's where we're at right now. So Hayward and Dupree and Watt and everybody have given them this extra swagger uh, that at least the defense was lacking. Of course, they had swagger to spare during the Killer Bees era on offense. Um, And, you know, now you got Juju really, I feel like, sets the tone for a lot of the offense with his unselfishness and his toughness uh, on the offensive side. But part of their identity with Tomlin, I'm not even saying this as a negative, honestly, because everyone wants to hate on the guy when something doesn't go well. But part of the identity is getting up for big games and, and not being able to handle themselves, you know, when they should cruise, right? So that's why you always see them lose to a bottom three team. Every year. And this year, they did a much better job of not stepping on that duck, if you will. Not laying that egg. Uh, They've squeaked out some games against teams they should have beat. They're going to play a lot of teams that they should crush later in the season. And I'm sure they're not just going to steamroll all of them. But at least they've shown the maturity to be able to finish. When in past years, they haven't been able to finish. My opinion of this game, I don't think I'm... Actually, you know, personally, I don't think I'm having too much of the black and gold glasses syndrome. I just think the first half is the real team. I, I, we've said this before. I think we talked a little bit about the 49ers last year. There's just a certain point where your team is so loaded that the other, te- other teams aren't going to be able to do anything against you. When you have a front seven of, or at least, you know, a front four at this point, of exclusively all pro type players, pro bowl players at worst, 
like the Steelers have. There's there's not a single offensive line. I don't care if they play the Colts. I mean, we saw the highlights last year of Cam Hayward versus allegedly the best offensive lineman in the league, Quentin Nelson, and he handled him. So at a certain point, the talent the Steelers have on the defensive, on the front side of the defensive, uh, defensive side of the ball, right, with the linemen and the edge rushers and all that, with the safety, with the insane receiving core the Steelers have, which is five or six people deep, seven or eight people if you count the tight ends, right? It's a solid offensive line. The quarterback is playing well. Wasn't his best game against Tennessee, but I don't think it was as bad as maybe you would think. We'll, we'll go over him later. But the Steelers just have such insane talent at every position and depth. The fact that Cameron Sutton was able to come in and play well for Mike Hilton. The fact that some dude named Robert Spillane, who's now going to be Pittsburgh's favorite Yinzer for the way he hit Derrick Henry in the hole, which was, I don't know if that was the dumbest thing he's ever done in his life or the coolest or both, but it was amazing. And it was one of my favorite plays of the season this, thus far. I mean, Derrick Henry could actually consume that man. He could eat him. And he didn't care. He stood him up in the hole. Is beautiful. But what I'm trying to say is the Steelers' talent is overwhelming. They really are at that stage. And then on top of that, to have Tomlin, Pouncey, and Ben, these guys who have been to Super Bowls and have done it, they also have that championship DNA. And then just plus being part of the Steelers' organization, they have it going on. So what I saw in the first half was the Steelers' potential. And then what I saw in the second half was like, yeah, this is part of the personality of the team, this up-and-down sort of thing. They have shown that they've been able to finish this year a little bit better than they have in past years. You remember during, uh, what should I call him? What should I call him? Okay, I remember we're on a podcast right now. I'm going to try not to get too angry, but the evil person who just joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when he was on our team, that last year, 2000, what was it, 17? Or the 2018 year, where the Steelers had to win all those games against top-ranked teams in the, past few, in the last few weeks to get in the playoffs, and they lost heartbreakers against the Saints and the Chargers. They actually beat the, uh, you know, the Patriots, lost to the Broncos. They weren't finishing in the fourth quarter. It seems like they are finding a way to finish right now. And Yeah, it's a rambly way to think about it, but I, I do think that the Steelers' talent was too much for the Titans, who are a really good team, a really well-coached team, but only people like the Buccaneers and the, and the Ravens and the Chiefs should really be able to actually field a team that can play with Pittsburgh as long as they're not asleep at the wheel. Look, I just want to say that the thing that makes me nervous is the second half collapse on both sides of the ball. The offense scored three points and the defense gave up 17. And the tendency is to extrapolate that. It just makes you nervous. What, what, what caused the collapse? I mean, no Titans adjustment resulted in that kind of devastation on both sides. I don't think there was as much of a collapse. I mean, I think that the Titans are a really good team with some Pro Bowl players at receiver, uh, running back, quarterback, and offensive line. They made a couple plays. A ball got batted into the air and intercepted. Which the Titans, so the Titans got to start at what the Steelers' thirty-yard line. So one of those, you know, sets of points was was not ideal. Um, we'll talk about Ben's final interception, the allegedly risky throw into the back of the end zone, which now seems a little bit less risky that we've seen all the angles come out. We realized that Juju Smith-Schuster was one-on-one with the linebacker, and you know. I, so I don't think it was a collapse. That's the thing. This isn't like when Brady has figured out the Steelers in the second half or what Russell Wilson did to the Steelers in the second half of that game last year in week two where Ben went out when they just figured it out and they were ripping off 20-yard passes left and right. Yeah, Tannehill hit some, but Tannehill's good, and so is A.J. Brown. They're going to hit some, right? And we have said, I, or I think this, the thing about the Steelers' defense, which is absolutely phenomenal, the one thing that to me makes them not quite as at the level yet of the past, um, I wouldn't say historic defenses, but, but historic for the, for the era defenses of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Broncos that one year, two years, and the Seahawks, is the fact that the Steelers don't have a lockdown corner. Like a lockdown corner does a lot for those defenses. The Steelers have good corners. They have four good corners, which is an awesome place to be. But... Without that lockdown guy, you know, some teams are going to pass the ball on you sometimes. That's fine. But 
I want to make a note of another thing that happened here because I guess the beginning of this podcast is us just trying to figure out how could one half look so good and one half not look good. I want to bring this up too. And this almost sounds like an elementary school uh, analysis, but if you rewatch the game, you'll see it's pretty wild how lucky the Titans got with the bounces of the ball this game. That's part of football, by the way. Like You're going to play some games during the year when the ball legitimately doesn't bounce your way. I remember in that Steelers-Jaguars playoff game when Ben got hit, sack fumbled at the end of the first half, and the ball, the football, for the one time in its damn life, just hit the ground and bounced straight up in the air to the fastest player on their defense. (laughs) What is it, Telvin Smith or Miles Jack? Right into his hands as he was running full speed towards Ben, which also happened to be towards the Pittsburgh end zone, and he just ran into the end zone. Like, it's going to happen. The Titans caught not one, but two interceptions off of tipped balls in one game. They caught a 25-yard pass play off of a Tannehill pass that rocketed off a Titans receiver's hand, bounced into the air. Minka Fitzpatrick, one of the best ball hawks in the NFL, is making a beeline towards it like he's going to grab it and house it. But somehow Adam Humphreys comes down with it. By the way, this is on their, that first you know, big touchdown drive that they had where that was the, the catalyst. Then they got a 15-yard penalty. And then Vince Williams nearly ended Ryan Tannehill's life on the five-yard line, where he foolishly spins in the middle of the defense immediately upon completing his spin. Ryan Tannehill, clavicle, meet Vince Williams' wrath. Ball pops out immediately and somehow bounces right to a Titan. Right? Didn't they even have another fumble where they recovered their own fumble on a kickoff? So they recovered two of their own fumbles. They had, you know, a tipped pass that they recovered. There were probably three or four other tipped passes by Steelers that somehow just landed far away enough from every other player on the field where I just don't think that you can watch that game and say the Titans really figured the Steelers out and they just started ripping them apart in the pass game. I think they had one great play to uh, A.J. Brown, the 70-yard touchdown where Minka didn't take a good angle. By the way, if you rewatch that play... If Vince Williams just puts his hands in the air, it's an interception. I mean, he threw it right past Vinny's head. So it's a game of inches, and they made a couple plays with a couple great players. But what's their whole team, right? Like, they were going to get Derrick Henry off. They didn't do anything, anything. I know he kind of accumulated some yards by the end, but nothing meaningful. And so I just don't think that the Titans ever really figured the Steelers out. I think that the Steelers were – I think that number one – We'll talk about Feetner. He's made some improvements in the past two weeks that I'm really happy about. Matt Canada's influence is clear. Like the reverse game that they're doing right now and then taking plays that they've had success with in previous weeks. We keep talking about the Claypool reverses. Well, they have not one but two. They, they do a new counter to that Claypool reverse every game, right? So they have – they've been evolving on offense. He still doesn't know how to call a second-half lead. They don't know how to, like, how aggressive should we be? Should we sit on it? Should we start running? And that's why the Steelers started the second half with 12 plays, 35 yards, and a tipped interception. And then just momentum, momentum is real, as Ray Lewis says. So the momentum sort of flipped, and the Titans found themselves back in the game. Ben did what's, what he does. He did what's going to take him to the Hall of Fame, which is he made a quote-unquote risky throw at the end of the game, which upon rewatching is like, Oh, it was Juju matched up on a linebacker, and if it was six inches higher, it's a touchdown automatically. It almost was, right? And they just it gave them life. So that's my final big-picture analysis was they didn't get it done. The Titans are a good team. They let them hang around, but the Titans didn't figure out the Steelers, and I don't think the Steelers would be scared to see them in the playoffs at any point. Okay. Uh, you didn't say this, but the Steelers got a couple lucky bounces themselves. Right. James Conner had his uh, – is it his how – many, how many fumbles per, per season is Conner having? Well, like four last year fumbles? it was pretty – yeah, last year it was bad, but I don't even know if he's fumbled this year. Yeah, remember that one near the goal line where he recovered his own fumble? No, no, in this game I do, but any, anything before this game? No, but it was felt like it was coming in the one that Claypool picked up. It's like oh, yeah. <laughs> Zeus dang hey, that it point, pops point, back up into his hands. And, I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with the with the Titans, but you know, Ben, I don't see a statistic for tip balls, but he throws a lot of tip balls. I mean, there were two 
It's weird. In that game, so one of the receptions, one of the interceptions was on him. I think I agree on the pass to Juju. First, it was just irritating because it ended up being a good play for the Titans. But, you know, an inch, a couple of six inches to the left over Juju's shoulder, and that's a touchdown. I mean, it did, when you looked at the angle, and by the way, can we do more of that camera angle? Oh, yes, please. Where we see we've what's, been, go- actually see what's going on. Remember the last time they did it, Dad? It was the Titans game. Last or a couple years ago, when they did the whole game behind, and we erupted yeah. all over them, that was great. What I just went in the room where they make the decision not to show that camera angle all the time, or at least on replay, it was it was so illuminating. So yeah. I, so here's my here's my armchair psychiatrist analysis of Ben. Mm. So he's making that choice at that point. Yeah, I think he feels somewhat constrained in this game. By the way. The Steelers are winning with the thing that used to kill us all the time, the death by a thousand cuts. I mean, this this game is a short passing game. When you look at at Ben and how many times he throws over 10 yards, uh, he wasn't sharp, by the way. 11 passes over 10 yards, three three completions. I just feel like he's trying to make things happen. Some of those passes are, are beyond tight windows. Let's face it. That first pass to Johnson, that first touchdown pass to Deontay, yeah. was in a window that wasn't even open. Yeah, it was tiny. And you could say that it was actually a little bit behind Deontay, but then you also make the argument, well, he didn't want to put it too far in front because then the safety could get it. And incredible catch by Deontay there. What about the, um, what about the uh, beautiful dime that he dropped to Deontay that Deontay dropped, the, the, the go route in the, uh, in the end zone on the free play, right? And a lot of people said that ball actually got tipped a little bit. Um, but, I mean, that was a dime. And I, I think they were saying – go ahead. No, Sorry. what were they saying? I think I, what I saw was that the defender hit his arm, hit, tapped his left hand slightly oh, and sure. threw, well, threw him off. Well, catch it anyways, man, because we kind of think – you know, everyone said, yeah. oh, would AB have caught that? It's like – are you really yes. going to compare receiver? <laughs> yeah, of course. Like you could ask that if Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, drops a pass, which never happens. Like would AB caught it? Yeah, probably. But give um, me that ball, right? But uh, hey, we expect big things out of Deontay Johnson, and holy crap, he showed up. We'll talk about him later too. That's another positive thing. The receivers are as advertised. I mean, it's so fun. I know we're going on tangents here, but there's so much to think about in this game. We talked about it in the off season where it's like, hey. I know it sort of seems like it's just on paper, but we think this could be the deepest Steelers receiving core ever. This is a crazy loaded receiving core. And it wasn't just off of potential because we saw Washington and and Deontay play great last year. The one time they would have a chance to catch the ball during the game. And we know what Juju can do already. The Claypool thing's the pleasant surprise of, oh my goodness, who knew he'd be this good this quickly. But um, anyways, back to Ben. I guess let's cover Ben right now, which is, yeah, and there's still... There's still a hesitancy there that we're not used to seeing in him, but he is hitting two or three deep passes per game that are absolute dimes in classic Ben. That throw to Deontay in the end zone, that's not a deep one, but that was a great one. Then the one that Deontay didn't catch, you know, the one he dropped, that's classic Ben. He hit that same go route to Claypool last week. He hit Washington on on a couple long and intermediate ones. And so he is, that's, my thing with this is, I just need to see Ben complete two more of those throws per game for me to really say, like, you can go in a shootout with the Chiefs because I don't care how good your defense is. The Chiefs are putting up 30, and you're going to have to put up more than them at a certain point. You know what I mean? And he is inching his way towards there, so that's nice to see. As far as the tips go, I the only thing I can come up with is that it's his new throwing motion, which is a little bit more Aaron Rodgers-like, which Aaron... Uh, which Tom Brady also copied Aaron Rodgers' throwing motion a little bit uh, when he revamped his throwing motion and saved his arm a little bit. Now, Ben didn't have to change his throwing motion, I don't think, so I have to assume that this is a result of the elbow stuff, right? And it's a little bit more of like, it's not sidearm, but it doesn't come as high up. So you wonder how a guy that's 6'4 can keep getting passes batted, and you and I agree, it is a little concerning because it keeps happening. Well, one statistic that I pulled down was that Ben leads the league. Actually, maybe he's last in the league in times to throw. I mean, he's throwing actually at least the league 2.29 seconds per time, time to throw, which leads the league. So he, that he did, he led the league uh, two years ago as well. Weirdly enough in time to throw. Yeah. Okay. But the, but the offense seems much different now because these passes are going under Definitely. 10 yards yeah, yeah. and it's successful. 
And I don't know if that has something to do with being tipped and the timing of the play. Ah, that's a good point. I, I mean, I, he doesn't look like a natural. I mean, he is a rhythm passer. We've talked about that at, at length, but he just doesn't naturally slice and dice you under five yards constantly. He's so talented that he can get away with it, but man, he throws a lot of almost picks on those RPOs. I was glad to see that they threw a lot of those out uh, this week, but you know, he 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 just uh, it doesn't need to be Ben from three years ago. It would be nice if it was, but. I just need a couple more of those D passes, and I still saw a few of them. And that Juju one is unfortunate because it's a pretty badass way to seal the game, right? And you'll take that matchup. I mean, it's a middle linebacker on a Pro Bowl wide receiver, and they almost completed it too. That middle linebacker, who is that, 55? Why am I blanking? He made a lot of plays in the past game, and uh, yeah, so that was tough, but that's where Ben was at as far as the offense goes. The first half, I mean, it was gorgeous. Do you want to um, get onto any other themes, or do you want to start talking about kind of what went down more specifically? Well, just to wrap up, Ben, 49 attempts, 32 completions on 49 attempts, his Whoa. most to date by a lot. His previous high was against the Broncos. He had 41. Only 268 yards. Um, actually, other than the Broncos game, that was his high for the year Crazy. so far. We're six games in, lowest, and Ben doesn't have a 300-yard game yet. That tells you everything, right? He has won the 311 against the Broncos. That's oh. That was it. This was the second highest, but it was the lowest yards per reception at five and a half. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's interesting. Wait, hold on. We do have more to say here because this, this Ravens game is going to be huge. I mean, the Ravens have two weeks of rest thanks to the Titans. That's why the Ravens buy got moved before us. And I've been saying all year, hey, the Ravens are a team that's going to see your tendencies. And the Steelers against the Browns and the Titans have done a really nice job adding wrinkles that I didn't know if we'd see or not. You know, all the counterplays that we're, that we're speaking about. But the Ravens are going to know, hey, press everybody. Don't let them do that five-yard crap. So if we can come out throwing and Ben can complete some deep ones, that's how they're going to beat the Ravens. I think that's how they'll do it because Ben said in the postgame press conference in uh, answering a question about why do they – why do they come out with like eight straight throws or 12 or whatever it was to start the game. He said, (laughs) I told Tomlin, I told Tomlin that we're going to receive the ball when we start this game because we talked about the Titans being – team that really plays through ball control they want to run the ball and then hit those huge play action shots they play better with a lead so if you can get them down early he didn't say this next part about but he suggested he's suggesting like they can't just go to a drop back passing game in Tennessee and put points up they want to play with ball control and running and so if the Steelers could get up early that would be uh you know a good way to attack them and everybody knows that's the way to attack the Ravens, right? If you are in a dogfight with them, forget it. You're going to lose. Lamar's going to make plays no matter what. Their offensive and defensive lines are gigantic. It's going to happen. But if you get up on them, the Ravens don't have the receivers or the talent or the scheme to just drop back pass for 400 yards, you know? Um, so that's an interesting thing to look at. It works so damn well. Why didn't you just try that again in the second half before turtling you know they did the, like the muddle offense on that opening drive uh the you, it's not really no huddle but uh you know you, you go really quick the last thing i'll say just in regards to that last throw to juju which once again in the moment i thought what the hell are we doing like just kick the field goal They're, they haven't gone down the field on you really all day at least consistently but think back to that texans game when it was third and 12 on like the 20 yard line and he throws a back shoulder fade to ebron that really sparks the Steelers and gets them back into the game. They were going to go down like 21-0. Like, that's Ben. You can't just – it reminds me of early in his career. You remember when people used to say, yeah, but he holds the ball too long and he runs around too much. And then three Super Bowls later, two wins and one extra appearance, that talk starts to go away. It's like, yeah, you can – you definitely – that doesn't mean you never mitigate it. Like, there's a time and a place to do things, but also this is what got you this far. He – he, you just profited off of that a couple games ago, and now you're mad that the guy is doing it again. And I mean, it's not like Jalen Ramsey was covering him. It's just like that girl in your junior year of high school. That's right. The things that you hate after you've broken up, you look back fondly. Look, speaking <laughs> of Ebron, I mean, look, it's the things we live for. We want we watch football to be entertained, and he gives us some entertaining plays. But it's it's high risk situation. How about the how about the front flip to Ebron? 
Yeah. Don't ever do that again. Like, I just, I don't like a 15-yard shovel pass that's going to be... It's only 10. It was fine. <laughs> well, and maybe, yeah, pass line of scrimmage. But, and then the, the backwards basketball shot that he threw to, to James Conner. Yeah, come on, Conner killed. Settle down a little bit. I, I actually think that there might be some nerves there. I think that he's not totally comfortable yet. We always say he needs to knock the saran wrap off. He needs a 300, 400-yard game. <laughs> Because I don't know if he's totally comfortable yet with this new throwing motion, new offensive style, hasn't had any of those breakout bend deep throw games. Might be a little scared to get hit. That's what the Connor one felt like. That felt like, ah, oh, don't hit me. I got hot potato this thing. So I didn't think we'd get that much out of that section right now, but sort of conversation naturally led there, and it leads into a lot of things to talk about. Well, let me try to segue it by pointing out that he doesn't have a go-to receiver at this point, right? And it's almost as if we're platooning the receiver core. Where was Claypool and Washington? Non-existent in that game. To our benefit, I imagine we're going to see guys playing both sides of the ball at some point this season. This is kind of crazy. And it goes back to your point about the depth of this receiving core. So Deontay's back. I wasn't even thinking about him. I'm still thinking concussion. And all of a sudden, he's back. Um, He had a huge huge lead, I, I think, in terms of productivity until the game started chugging on and the game became on the line. And then... Mr. Reliability, which is what Juju's turning out to be. And to your point, yeah, what a credit. I mean, the guy goes from the pinnacle. I mean, he's the up-and-coming guy. It it falls off the rails last year because of the quarterback situation, and he really has taken a second and maybe third seat to Johnson and Claypool, at least temporarily. And then he just, but he does not utter a complaint. No, and he celebrates with them, and it looks. Genuine, because easily you can make the argument. Oh, he's just celebrating because he knows the camera's on him. Well, it's pretty. It's pretty damn consistent. I mean, you never catch him complaining. By the way, he converted a bunch of a uh, bunch of third downs, and he gets crushed. He gets crushed in all of them. He got a John Elway helicopter on one of the critical ones, I think, in the fourth quarter. So, but he hurt somebody on that too. So <laughs> he did. I mean, he's a load. He's the man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this receiving core is so unselfish, and you can tell Claypool doesn't mind it either. And hopefully this is what undoes the Buccaneers when Satan joins their team and gets mad because he only got 106 catches and 15 touchdowns and Juju got 115. Is that Adam Sandler? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of is. But, yeah, it it really is amazing. And I do hope that that breaks up the Buccaneers. But, uh, yeah, the unselfishness is incredible. And, Jeez, Deontay, it, what a weird season he's having. I just need to see him stay in for 10 games to get rid of the, why do you drop it once or twice a game? Why do you get hurt every single game? I think that actually earlier he was getting hurt because he doesn't quite know how to go down yet. We've talked about that before. That's a skill that people learn. And then this game, I think he got hurt because the turf sucked. You saw people slipping and sliding all over the place. But aside from that, I mean, he's one of the, I'm sorry. He's one of the best receivers in the league. I don't know where you want to rank him or whatever. I'm not saying he's up there with Hopkins or anybody like that yet. Of course not. But you give him the ball, and if there's somebody that's, you know, if if there's somebody within a yard of him, they have a chance. If they're not within a yard, they have no chance. Nobody has a chance. I mean, he converted at, at least one, if not multiple, third and longs when we throw him the ball two yards, and he jukes. He doesn't juke people out. He makes them fall. These are NFL players. He's legitimately breaking people's ankles. The touchdown was gorgeous. I don't know why the Tennessee Titans kept bringing all-out blitzes. Because every time they all-out blitz, Ben flips the ball to Deontay, and then he has one-on-one in the open field, and nobody can tackle the guy. So he looks astoundingly good. And that's why we were saying last week, like, hey, Claypool is going to take over that number one spot. But we, I think we even stopped ourselves short of, like, I mean, Deontay's – really good so to have that type of thing where you have a possession guy like juju and then these two dynamic playmakers and and um you know claypool and deontay and then you have maybe the nfl's best return man in star fox mcleod ray ray mcleod i mean he's unbelievable and we're not even mentioning James Washington because he wasn't in the game plan, but he'll pop up again. I thought Ebron, I weirdly thought this was actually Ebron's like best game. He kind of had more, ba- more bang for the buck on a lot of these big catches that he had. So once again, I didn't expect to go this long in, in this conversation, just sort of 
led in this general direction. But there's just a lot to like from the offensive side of the ball. I mean, offensive line, nothing to complain about. They've been looking good. Uh, it's not the dominant unit that used to let Ben sit back in the pocket for eight seconds at a time, you know, but they're looking good. Connor picked up where he left off last week, workmanlike performance. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of things to see. My, my favorite thing, though, has to, besides the receivers, has to be some of the evolution of the play calling. I just think that it you you have to really respect how difficult it is to be Sean McVay and Sean Payton and Kyle Shanahan and Josh McDaniels because you okay maybe you're a guy who's great at calling the opening script. Randy and them called a great opening script this game. Maybe you're a good guy who's who's uh, Tennessee Titans or Ravens. Like if it's a balanced game, you are confounding the opponents. They don't know where the ball's going, and and you're just gonna march down the field every time. Maybe you're a guy like uh, you know what the Steelers used to have. Oh, they're down by 21. We're going to the air, and we're gonna score 21 in a quarter. But you have so many. You have to learn how to do all those things. And I don't think Feetner and the Steelers offensive staff yet know how this team likes to close out games. I think they wanted to be like, they want to be this power run team that just gets a lead and smashes in, you into submission. They're not that. They're not, they're, first off, they're not big enough, really. Second off, love Connor, but you need like a Marshawn Lynch kind of guy to, to, to punish someone. I'm not saying Connor can't finish games, but I'm saying you can't just be like, just hand it to the bus every time. It's just not that. So that's my sort of closing thought for the offense is they need to figure something out to close out these games and keep the aggression that they had in the first half. And then once again, I would just like to see Ben complete a couple more deeper passes. Two closing thoughts on my part. Let's acknowledge James Connor. 20, 20 carries for 82 yards. Um, well, I, I can't say enough about it. I do love him. I don't think he's anything special. And when I say that, I think he's something special as a human being. Don't get me wrong. But as a runner, but he just he shows just this tenacity in this second yeah. and third effort that um, just makes you really admire him and, and, and have confidence in his game. I think there are a lot of guys like that. That's what I mean. Right. I don't think he's unique in that aspect. But I'm happy with that. The other thing you need to walk away with is understanding that our third down efficiency was 13 for 18. And of those 13, four passes went to Juju and four passes went to Deontay. So eight of the 13 were as a result of those two receivers. So it was a magnificent day on the conversion front. Hey, and that is directly a result of... Feetner and Canada finding ways to scheme receivers open, which we haven't seen in Pittsburgh in a long time. They are creating these rub routes and these pick routes. Ben is doing a good job of reading the defense and figuring out which guy is going to be open quick. And dudes like Deontay and Juju, okay, they get a couple that are right at the line and they just catch it and it's a first down. So we give credit to Ben and the offensive coordinators for that. But they also get plenty where it's like they get the ball and their job is to either, if you're Juju, carry the guy. Like he's going to tackle you. He's going to put his arms around you. You need to carry him for two more yards and get the first down. He consistently does that. Deontay's job is we're going to get you the ball hopefully a yard away from your defender and you need to juke him and you need to find a crease and get there. And they do that all the time. If you watch the 49ers play – you know, we use them because they're the paragon of offensive strategy. They have Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm sorry. He's poop. He does a couple things well. But this guy, you know, if he were in, in Pittsburgh, it would be a disaster. He can't make plays. But he can throw to an open guy accurately when they make them open. It's fun watching the Niners play because they designed their roster around these weird receiving, like, running back hybrids. George Kittle... Debo Samuel, now Brandon Ayuk, are all catch-and-run guys. They catch the ball, and they're impossible to bring down. And I'm not saying, like, you know, Deontay and, and A.B. are like, oh, these guys got some moves. They just have something about them that's like there's a physicality and a, just a, a, an effectiveness in the open field. So what Shanahan does, he's like, I don't need to get you guys uncovered or just one-on-one matchups. My job is to get you the ball with enough space between you and your defender so that you – can go pick up the first down, and I'm confident that you're going to be able to do that over and over again. And the Steelers know they have that with this receiving core, so it's an interesting way to see them play as opposed to what they did in the Killer B era, which was downfield. Like, if AB's one-on-one, throw it in his general vicinity. He'll get it. But hopefully they add that, you know, for, you know, 
Claypool in particular going down. But it, it's pretty cool to see. Ironically, we have over-allocated our podcast to the offense, so we're going to have to be a little more efficient totally. on the defensive Whoops. side of the ball, even though that's where the strength was. And it sounded so positive. Season. My bad. It was so positive, and they just crapped the bed in the second half. But honestly, those positive things are going to translate, so I guess I just got excited about the 6-0 and undefeated first-place Pittsburgh Steelers. So there was a great fear among many that Derrick Henry was going to mow us down. Well, Derrick Henry couldn't mow a single blade of grass, but Manscaped, they can mow every little particle of grass in that yard that you got down there, all right? We're talking men's below-the-belt grooming, Manscaped. This razor, the lawnmower 3.0, electric trimmer, premium electric trimmer. That's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Also, hey, I don't know, maybe clean your body. That's a good idea, right? You know what else is a good idea? Cleaning your body without being worried about nicks or scratches or anything like that. We've all been there. I'm sure there's a horror story of some guy who went there and it went too far and he's, you know, no longer the same. Right? Well, you don't have to worry about that with Manscaped because they have some of the best scientists in the world working on this safe technology where it's pretty much physically impossible to to injure yourself doing that. I'm sure somebody can figure it out, but I tried and I can't because I'm an actual user of this, of the Manscaped products and they're great. I don't just use the lawnmower 3.0. I use the, uh, uh, there's a balm that you can use, anti-chafing cream, you know, for you guys with, uh, you know, any chafing issues. Maybe you got muscular thighs. I don't know. See what happens. Either way, Manscaped's got you covered. You'll also find a crop reviver. You'll find uh, colognes and other stuff like that, but especially that lawnmower 3.0. That's, that's a must-have for any man at this point in 2020. Also, Listeners of this show will get 20% off and free shipping if you use the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns. So our prognostication abilities are being amplified by another sponsor we have. So two weeks ago, we were three for six. Uh, Okay, 50% is not going to increase the bank account, but this week, three for five, baby, and the bank account increases once again. And we keep rolling, and so does Bet Online. Football season is in full effect, people. I think there's still just a sliver of baseball if you want to get in on that, but you know our stance. Who cares? Because there's a ton of football games to bet on. Now it's not even halfway through the football season. Of course, the Steelers are in the front there, so they're a good uh, team to bet on week to week. Maybe you just bet on the Steelers to win every week, and you bet on the Jets to lose every week. I'm sorry, Jets. But either way, BetOnline's got the best odds, props, team, player, coaching props at that, and spreads and totals in the business. They give you more options to wager than any other place online, and that's BetOnline, baby. So head there today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses, of which there are numerous Bet online, ching your online sports book experts. Okay, we're going to focus on defense, but we're only going to talk about the first half because it's glorious. All right. The Tennessee Titans had five first downs. Losers. They had 83 yards, 33 rushing with the great Derrick Henry and 50 yards through the air, six for 12 on passing. I, I could go on, but time of possession was like 37 seconds. Yeah, and uh, I really think that a big part of them not doing as well in the second half is just the offense had an unlucky turnover in their own zone. That gave the Titans some confidence. And uh, then the Steelers' offense just went three and out and over and over again. And the Titans are good. You know, when I say the Steelers aren't scared of Derrick Henry, I don't mean that Derrick Henry isn't awesome. I just mean Derrick Henry isn't the kind of back when the Titans aren't the kind of offense that really scares me with the Steelers. The Steelers do not do well against very organized spread passing attacks because those attacks can take advantage of the Steelers' zone concepts when the Steelers can't really man up with people that well. When you're talking about a straight-ahead runner, uh, you know, the Steelers can handle it. So I guess the, the only thing that stands out to me is, let's just give the update. Do we even have to podcast about the, the front four? They're insane. And T.J. Watt was unbelievable making tackles for loss. We had two sacks, and it was considered a horrific day for the defense, right? I think they, have the lo- they definitely have the longest active sack streak. What is it, like 64 games in a row or something? 63 games. 
think it might be 64 now, but either way, that's a bunch. And, uh, yeah, I thought that they played well. I thought that they, especially in the first half, they really did a good job breaking on routes on third down. Like, Joe Hayden had a big deflection. That was almost a pick six. A lot of guys almost had picks. The Steelers got their hands on the ball a bunch of times. It just didn't bounce their way, literally. It, did not, it bounced into the middle of the field where there was nobody at. But the Steelers had opportunities for some more turnovers. They couldn't get them. I think that the only thing that stands out to me is the bummer that this was not a great game by Minka. I mean, you feel like he should have made that open field tackle on that 70-yard touchdown by A.J. Brown. And then later, the Steelers hold the Titans on third down from the one-yard line, but Minka held Jonu Smith, I believe, their star tight end, um, pretty egregiously, which gave the Titans a new set of downs, which Derrick Henry used on first down to jump over the line and score a touchdown. So Minka had a little bit of a rough showing. But Jonu Smith, aforementioned Jonu Smith, one of the best receiving tight ends in the league. I think he has the best receiving grade by PFF. So there's numbers and eye tests to back that up. What do you have, one catch for eight yards? So they did a good job minimizing him and Henry. And I would say they did a good job of minimizing Brown. It's just that 80-yard, that, that 70-yard yard catch. And then, yeah, he did have a couple daggers late in the game. But he's a good receiver, you know? Well, I just have, you know, I'm the stat guy. Because I Please. bring nothing else to the show, but T.J. Watt That's not true. now leads the Steelers in sacks within his first four years, which is oh, we're not we're a third of the way through, we're, we're a little over, we're two games away from being halfway through. He's got forty go. sacks. He just passed past Lamar Woodley, the guy in third place, Joey Porter with thirty. Yeah. So it just shows the productivity's way off the charts, literally. It is, and obviously the pass attempts are way up from when Joey played, but also, you know, Joey was never a defensive player of the year candidate like T.J. Watt is, as much as we adore Joey. That's no slant on Joey at all. But, uh, yeah, it looks like T.J. should, you know, hopefully knock on wood, he should shatter Lamar Woodley's record. It doesn't remind you of how damn good Lamar was, but, man, T.J., he didn't have any sacks, did he? But how, he had a... A number of tackles for a loss. Uh, One sack he did? Of course he did. Oh, yeah, he almost stripped the ball from him. Um, But uh, TJ was phenomenal in the run game, and he's just crashing down on the backside on a lot of those things and just catching the runner and uh, destroying him. So TJ was awesome as usual. Yeah, so somebody who is noticeable – actually, I don't know how to put this, but his invisibility cloak is his consistency – and you wouldn't think about this until it's highlighted for you, but Vince Williams. Vince had one sack, three, two tackles for loss, and a quarterback hit, but Vince Williams leads the NFL. Actually, guess who he's tied with? TJ. TJ, for tackles for losses with 12 in the NFL. Yeah. TJ and Stephon Tuitt have, um, are in the top three. So TJ leads the league in quarterback hits with 15. Two, it's tied with Aaron Donald for the number two position at 14 quarterback hits. Another guy whose cloak, his invisibility cloak, is is just consistency flying under the radar. I mean, it's it's the best Steeler front seven we've seen in in my lifetime. I wouldn't say not in your lifetime, but, and that's absurd because the Steelers have Super Bowl. We're talking James Harrison, Lamar Woodley, Joey Porter, Clark Higgins, all kinds of guys, right? Snacks, Kiesel. Ben Olaf and Aaron Smith, you know, all these incredible players. And this, this is just, quite frankly, a Super Bowl front seven. And Vince Williams, I mean, every year he just creeps his way up my list of favorite Steelers. I mean, he's just got the best personality. He's hilarious. He's intense. He is a Steeler. He's so tough. And he's been good since he was forced into a starting role as a six-round draft pick rookie who had to fill in for Shazier. So he's actually he's always been a good player. He's improved with his pass coverage over the years. And he's kind of underrated in terms of the NFL. I guess it makes sense that, you know, he's it's crazy to hear his name as the league leader above Aaron Donald in tackles for loss. But then it makes sense, you know, he's playing behind the best front four. And he gets to clean up a lot of that trash. But I'm not saying that anyone else would have those numbers. I mean, he's such a phenomenal finisher. And it's just nice to see him get his due. And what, you know, who knows what they could have done last year if he had been playing instead of Mark Barron. Oh, wait, no, Ben wasn't there. So I guess it doesn't matter. But either way, it's just nice to see him at the center of attention there because he is just such a stalwart for this defense. Timmons, number two almost. Do you find it 
interesting that Rich Butler is bringing back the middle linebacker position for the Steelers. Oh, Butts. Butts is bringing back middle linebacker with old Buddy and TJ. You talking about that? Yeah. That the when they talk when they use the word I think they're overusing the word exotic, you know, zone blitzes and so forth, but man, would you like to be the quarterback interpreting what's going to happen next? Guess what I'm going to do now? Yeah, I'm going to kill and you. And there is Bud Dupree right between Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt, smiling. That's and then next play, it's going to be TJ. Exactly. And I'm not sure. I, I'm assuming by Rich Butler you meant uh, Keith Butler's brother, who's actually calling the plays on the sideline in, in a hoodie with his face unrevealed with a COVID mask. But I take your point about, like, they're innovating. This is really cool to see. They are lining Bud up at middle linebacker, sort of. But he's not really there to play middle linebacker. His job is to time the snap, and all we're trying to do is give you a couple extra yards to get your insanely fast legs moving so you can just torpedo into the line. Your only goal is to destroy. Just get in there and blow it up when we know they're trying to run the ball up the middle and or, you know, pass the ball in a drop back. And it's working. They're fine. And if it wasn't Bud this week, TJ did it a few times the week prior. They've been lining Cam Hayward all over the field. Tuitt's been all over the field. And it's just so nice to see the offense design all these counters off of successful plays. And it's nice to see the defense design ways to get these superstar pass rushers free. And it's very creative. And that's the Steelers' strength on defense. And it has been since, like, the 70s. I mean, at least since the 90s. And then especially in the Keith Butler era, it's not – that the Steelers have quite the complications of, like, the Patriots or the Ravens, maybe. It's just, it's a chaos. And when the Steelers get the right superstar players in that chaos, it's just, it's madness. And uh, that adds to it. When, like, you don't know where these guys are going to line up. You know how annoying it was to hear the announcers every game not be able to come up with something new to say about Troy. Oh, the quarterback never knows where Troy's going to line up. Well, it happens with Bud and TJ now, too. So, the other name, you mentioned him earlier, is uh, Robert Spillane, Bobby. Yes, Bobby. And as they say in the NFL, even the pros make business decisions, quote-unquote. He has no concept of a business decision because his business is staying on the field for one more game. But that play, I mean, everything sort of came. It was like the Red Sea parting. He got a gap, and he hit Derrick Hendry, and he hurt himself, but... You know what? I think he earned himself. He's in the Hall of Honor for the Steelers on that one play. Yeah, and he made his way back in the game. I mean, think about this, dude. If you make that I mean, it was he just didn't hesitate at all. And he made another big hit in the game, and we saw him make two big hits the week prior. So I think that's just who this guy is. I mean, think about it. To get a chance to do it against the biggest running back in NFL history, basically. Like, you, there's one guy in history who you could choose to meet in the hole. You know, you got to do it against Derrick Henry. If that doesn't prove yourself, what does it, what, what does? And by the way, I'm not saying that Derrick Henry is the best power back ever. Just physically, it's insane. I do have this take on, I think I said this about Derrick Henry last week. It's weird. He's not a power back. Like, of course he's powerful, but he's really more like a sprinter, home run kind of guy. He's, like, if he gets to the second level, he that combination of momentum, insane speed. I mean, he outruns cornerbacks. That size and momentum, the arm tackles just brush off of him. But he's not Earl Campbell. He's not the bus. He's not Marshawn who's, like, looking to punish you in the inside hole. He's kind of, he does a little bit of everything, but he's really a sprinter. I'm just mentioning that because I, I think he's a fascinating player to watch. And Steelers fans, we just got to watch him play. But, yeah, back to Bobby Spillane. I mean, is there a better way to endear yourself to your teammates? I'm sure he's made these hits in, in, in training camp because he keeps making them in the games, right? But, man, it's been a good first two games for him. And no one's going to be able to fill in for Devin Bush. And I think this week is going to be, out of all the teams in the NFL, I mean, this is going to be the toughest week for it because you want a middle linebacker who can run sideline to sideline with Lamar Jackson. I mean, at least a little bit. No human can truly do that. But... And, and then cover their two great tight ends in Andrews and Boyle. And uh, we're going to be missing him there. But, damn, Blaine has fit in nicely as a black and gold Pittsburgh Steelers middle linebacker. Let's so move far. back and, and let's try to wrap this up now. But let's move back into the secondary. And a name we're mentioning every week is Cam Sutton. 
four tackles, two passes defended, and one critical one on a, four, on a third down. If you lose Mike Hilton in, in free agents to see this year, I mean, it's going to be really depressing because he is like – Mike Hilton is like a Jamal Adams. He's such a force in, in blitzing and in run defense. But what I'm trying to say is if you lose him and Cam and Sutton is your starter, like, well – Come on, man. Cam could be a starter right now. I mean, he really proves it every time he starts a game for the Steelers. He doesn't just have a decent game. He has uh, impact plays. Like you said, he had deflections. He had a really nice tackle on a big, giant tight end on a third down catch. I mean, he is a good player, and it's really nice to see him fill in. And I think, uh, did Terrell Edmonds have two passes deflected for the first time ever? He did. He's looking a lot better. I don't think the guy's ever going to be a star, but, man, he's really finding his role. And if he could become a – you know, I think Ryan Clark is actually better than people even give him credit for. But if he could be that guy, I mean, how much more could you ask for? I mean, he's, he's playing really well in the run defense. And to make a couple pass deflections per game is great. I guess he didn't really – I don't know if you could call it a deflection in the back of the end zone where the tight end missed that one pass. But it still worries me. He, does, he has no idea where his arms and legs are when the ball is in the air. But uh, at least he was in the right position there. He has he has some more upside, I think, with more experience. Joe Hayden, seven tackles, tackle for loss, and a pass to Flynn. He had a great game. Um, Steven Nelson really didn't show up, but I didn't see any any weaknesses there. Can we move to special teams? And I'm not going to talk about the guy you're probably thinking I'm going to talk about sure. initially. James Pierre, Good two point. tackles on special teams. I think he had a he had one boneheaded move, but. That is a guy. Oh, that who, was bullcrap. They called him on that late hit. He was in the course late of tackling. Hit, right. He the guy. had he had the tackle right. That was a crap call. But that is a guy trying to stay on the team for sure. But let's talk about the star of the special teams and the emergence of a Steeler punt and kickoff return game. Ray Ray McLeod is amazing. I'm not kidding. I think he might be one of the best. I mean, he is one of the best punt returners in the league. But by the end of the year, he's going to he finally the break best. one of these things. To me, he's he the is best. the best with by by four yards. He has an eighteen yard per return average. He's absurd. I mean, you can't. It's. I just want him to break one for an actual touchdown before teams stop kicking to him because I don't know why they keep kicking him. I mean, the first guy never ever ever tackles him, and he just has that skill that we've seen in Pittsburgh. We've been lucky to watch. You know, little Satan was a great punt returner. Antoine Randall, phenomenal punt returner. Stephon Logan, Hank Poteet, even Sanders had a couple good returns. A lot of good punt returners in, in Steelers history. And the format for a punt return touchdown is this. Catch the ball, make the first guy miss. It's always a gunner. You sidestep him once. And then you run horizontally for just the right amount of time and make one cut through the seam of the defense. And that's what he did. And and on that big, what it was like, probably like a 50-yard return or something like that. And then he had the decision, okay, do I cut inside to avoid the punter or do I try to outrun him to the side? And he decided to cut in, which was the right decision because he easily got rid of the punter, but then he got tackled from a guy on the other side. Part of me wonders if he tried to run, if he just tried to outrun the punter. I mean, he wouldn't be able to outrun him, but just stiff arm him. Just punch him in the mouth. Maybe it's that would punter. Be it's a punter. Little he still Satan has a cigarette in his one. mouth. That's right. So, um, yeah, that, I mean, he is incredible, and I'm excited for them to get him the ball a little bit more on offense, even though it's hard to get those touches. And I guess when he goes in there, it's just a, you know, a flare gun that he's going to get the ball. But, damn, if he's just returning those punts and kicks the way he is, it's a joy to watch. It's glorious. The Colquitt experiment is over. We have Jordan Berry back, and we were rewarded with um, two punts, averaging 50 yards each. So that is the story. I yep. think there is huge upside. Very excited about the next week's game against the Baltimore Ravens. I'll say this. I think Boswell has missed like two field goals in two years. Or in a year and a half. Shh. Be very, very quiet. Visit the website, SteelersOutpost.com. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. 
Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.